Welcome to the Leadership Drift, coffee and conversations for leaders leading the next generation. We're excited to welcome another incredible guest to the table. But before we do, could you do us a favor and hit that subscribe button? While you're at it, go ahead and give us a five-star review. That helps these conversations reach other great leaders. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and get ready to join us at the table for another great episode of the Leadership Drift. I am so sorry. It's okay. I was like, <gasps> oh, we we almost sorry. we we were um, catching up. We almost quit. Like we were in the. Oh, <laughs> you're full of. I'm Don't so listen. sorry. Is is it picking? Is the audio picking up? Okay. Yeah, is yeah, it yeah. We got to turn up on this? our side. Here, Kirby, hang on. Okay. okay. Can you hear us? Okay. Yeah, I can hear y'all perfect. Okay. So quick, quick wave introductions. I'm Jeff, and this is Rob. Rob is the campus pastor here at Lee University. Um, I pastor a local church with a, not primary, says an emphasis on college young adult students in the local church. Um, And we've been friends for a long time. And so we do this little podcast where we talk to cool people. Yeah. Leaders, influencers. (laughs) I'm honored. And people like you and have conversations about faith and leadership and primarily young adults, college students, um, and sort of how we engage them and reach them. Um, Awesome. I love that. From local church to outside the local church, um, so mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of how we how we got here. Yep. Um, I think your name came up a year or two ago. I think is when I first. Oh wow! You. Um, were you on Josiah and Micah Keenley show? I I don't think so. Okay. I've been on a lot of other podcasts, so it probably was just some you sort of connection today. like that. Is the name of their podcast? You should. I'm going to tell them to reach out to yeah, you. Yeah, they're yeah. Yeah, do they're it. Great. Yeah. Um, so you'll get an email from them probably because they're like always like right on it. If I say, hey, talk to these people. Um, yeah. Somebody else we know knows you and that's how we. So here we are. It may have been Hannah. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> I'm Hannah excited. Do you know, you know Hannah. Yes. You know Hannah. Okay. Yeah, that, yeah, may yeah. Have been that may have been Hannah. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Maybe yeah. She was on my podcast a while back uh, when her book came out. Yeah. Okay. I've been connected with her and her husband before they were even married. Right? So. Right? I know, and that's yeah. so cool. I still like to call her Hannah G, but it's mm-hmm. yeah. GB. Hannah B. It's Hannah GB. But you can't say Hannah B because that was like a bachelor or bachelorette person, and then it it, that literally is exactly what that sounds like. I do not. It was, watch. And, and and only because my wife watches. No, no, Jeff is a big rabid fan of the of the bachelor. Rabid in the fact that I hate it, but <laughs> but it's like one of those things where your dad comes in and he's like, "What movie are you watching?" And then by the end of the movie, he's just like. Oh my gosh! It's like you stayed the whole time. It's like that I was, was a bad voting for Emily. I wanted Emily. <laughs> exactly. No, I don't know. Uh, our don't boy, know our boy Charlie always has Maddie Prue at his place, and she's the Bachelorette yeah. alum. So yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So you can see how well this conversation is going to go because this. I'm is, excited. This I love is, this kind of energy. This is 20 plus years of us both heckling each other and a lot and, of coffee and a lot of coffee. Oh, yeah. that's amazing yeah. anyway okay cool yeah so we will uh we'll take a little pause we will do a, a short little introduction of you and jump into the conversation um the questions are guiding questions we will use them as springboards into the conversation we will chase any rabbit that comes up literally perfect um, i'm excited and yeah. then we'll we'll wind back with the with the final question and um in there so we'll definitely get to the final question the others are questionable so any questions for us before we kind of get rolling? Like, um, no, I'm excited. Okay. I'm Thanks ready you. to go. Thank awesome. you for being on. 
Yeah, anytime. Thank you for being patient with me. No, no, no worries. problem. No worries. Rob is usually we're super prepared for the podcast because I don't even know what season we're starting right now. Season six? No, Five? bro. It's seven. No, it's not. It's seven. You want to know it's a how seven? Is, how do you know it's seven? Because I'm a seven. You're an Enneagram seven. I'm exactly That's, right. We'll get to the Enneagram yeah, conversation. So finally, we, we got do. to me. Like It's always been fun, though. <laughs> it's always been fun. It's always been fun. No better way to launch our seventh season here at the Leadership Drip there than with a new friend, Kirby Kelly, also known as Kirby is a boss. Kirby on is a boss. boss. We're going to find out why she calls herself okay. that. But, I'm interested. Uh, Kirby's a fellow podcaster at Bought and Beloved Podcast, an influencer with a heart to see this generation and culture flourish in freedom and confidence in their identity and to walk in the victory that has been won on the cross. Please welcome to the show, Kirby is a boss, Kirby Kelly. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited. Also, seven is the Lord's number. So this Amen. is about to be the best season ever. The number seven <laughs> of perfection and completion. And no, like... not, maybe like, I hope we're not done after this. Well, mm. I mean, we you might gotta make it to because... 40. So, so oh. can we make some honest confessions? I'm going to make a very honest confession, and okay. I want you just to receive it as 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 best it can be received. My favorite Instagram filter is Beach Babe by Kirby's the Boss. It's so good, right? My husband like, helps it takes me like with 20 that. 20 years off. I'm going to use the jo- Josiah Keneally word right here. Wow. <laughs> okay. In a perfect Minnesota accent, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, it is my favorite filter. I am. Is that why I'm on here? I am strangely, I'm strangely impressed by that. Like, so anytime you look at my stories and you go, "Wow, Jeff really looks like he's got great skin," it's that filter. Okay, Mm -hmm. what's it called? Beach Babes. Beach Babe by Kirby's a boss. (laughs) Thank you for the shameless plug. Shameless plug. I'm writing it down because. Anyways, let's talk about it. Where where did Kirby's a boss come from? How did we get there? Oh man, that's such a good story because I feel like it's so not ministry related at all. And I've just grown so much in my following in ministry at this point that I'm like, I I don't know if I can get away from it. I don't know if I can separate myself from that because those are my humble beginnings when I was first starting Instagram and YouTube and um, all of those things. But uh, forgive me, everyone, but growing up, SNL was my favorite it's getting it's getting better they have seasons that dip you know yeah um but they the lonely island came out with a song called like a boss when i was in eighth grade and i was like oh yeah that's me i am a boss and instagram came out around that time and so i was thinking okay what's my username gonna be like this is a big decision like this is before Instagram was what it yeah, is. It yeah. really just was posting photos every day with the filters right. on Instagram. Right. Um, and so my mom was like, Hey, if you're going to, you know, start posting stuff online, you can't use your last name. You can use your first name, but you have to come up with something. So I was like, Kirby is a boss. Duh. Uh, <laughs> so that was my Instagram became my YouTube. And then that's just that's just what it is, but now, I love so, it. It's it's now, such a funny we're story. On the SNL kick. Like, oh okay, boy! I know this is a ministry podcast, and we do love. We're Jesus. not endorsing SNL. For we are everybody. not endorsing SNL. No, we're oh, not. We I'm so sorry. I also want to make sure that everyone knows not everything SNL does is above board, and so we 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 state that out okay, front. So get to your story. However, however. What is your favorite SNL skit? I know mine. Like I, I'm an okay. old school SNL fan. Like, oh my gosh! Like way back, okay. and 
Yeah. So go. What, Kirby, that what's, is what's yours? the best question. I would say my top two are a tie between the Californians yeah. and Laser Cats. I feel like Laser Cats Amazing. is so slept on. It's mm-hmm. so funny because it's literally like Bill Hader and Andy Samberg just ran around with a little camera and they yeah. intentionally shot it so bad. And they made multiple of them. So I think that's also why I like the Californians. It's just this reoccurring joke that happens. Yes. It's so funny to me. They're just classic. Classic. So I would say the Californian for me is one of my top two or three. The best. Um, just, you know, being from SoCal and all that stuff. It just makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Then I would say probably some of my favorites in the more modern era, because mm-hmm. I, I separate yeah, eras, yeah. That's understandable. is probably the Spartans, Will Ferrell oh, and Tatarius. Yes. I, I love Will Spartan. Ferrell. I'm Tai Chi, it's me. It's me. It's me. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is about them and yes. that cheerleading outfit, but bro, yes. it gets me yeah, like- Spartan spirit's good. Oh, I, I cry. I, I cry. I put that all the time. I cry. Before there was like like Vine and Instagram Reels and TikTok, yeah, yeah. we quoted SNL and Chris Farley movies. And Chris Farley movies, for yeah. sure. Oh my yeah. gosh, sure. Chris Farley movies. I grew up on that kind of stuff. It's all SNL culture, you know what I yeah. mean? It's what just the is family. better than Patrick Swayze and Chris Farley the in a dance-off? That's, that is my favorite. I mean, that's my favorite. How do you top that? That's or a van down by the river? I yeah. mean, just like... Oh my gosh. Oh. Yeah, it's like culturally iconic. Oh, right, I, okay. I hope people are okay. still listening at this point. I, well, they they should. Be. We'll, get, we'll get to the we'll get to the ministry. Don't this worry. Is, yeah. This is all about culture engagement. Culture this, is engagement. What, this is what okay. we're doing. Okay. We're unpacking. I feel we're like unpacking. you know the Kirby's the boss conversation is interesting because um, when email kind of came into to like Yahoo Mail and Gmail, we made up some of the most ridiculous email handles, never knowing we would attach them to like job resumes and things like that. And people are like, "Who is Karch Forty Six Moo?" Like, way off, like, like that's not even close to my name yeah. or anything. Like, I was trying to be all, anyways, way off topic. So, but you are an influencer in social media space, and you, and we know you started young, but when did it become sort of ministry to you? When did it become something that you were using as a tool and not just sort of a method for sharing pictures? Yeah, um, I would say that between that time of when I started social media, when it first came out, like I said, I was seventh or eighth grade is when Instagram came out and that kind of led to YouTube and Vine and then um, TikTok and all these other things. Right. Uh, but I was, I was posting friendly family content, like funny content, gave my life to Jesus when I was 14, biggest moment of my life. Um, and I still continue just to push out content and make content and and really actually started becoming a content creator, not just posting pictures of my life when I was in high school. And around that time, um, as I was growing deeper in my faith, I would say about my, my junior or my senior year, that's when I really felt like the Lord was saying, Hey, you need to start posting videos about me, not Mm -hmm. just like funny content, not just like even friendly content, clean content. That's funny and entertaining, but you need to start telling people about me. Uh, and I know for a while I was just like, Oh God, people are going to unsubscribe from me. They're going to unfollow me. They're going to hate me. They're going to think all these things about me. The minute I start talking about you and it was kind of like, and, and it was like, okay. okay. So <laughs> I, I just started uploading content about him and that happened. I mean, I got a lot of backlash and hate nothing i said was even hateful or spiteful or mean i was just sharing my beliefs um and people took that personally but 
it was really cool because in doing that and kind of being like, all right, Lord, like this is what I expect now. Um, my church community really surrounded me in that time and prayed for me and supported me. And even more so, I felt so much peace from God. And I knew the minute that I started creating content for him, that this was what I was supposed to do, yeah, um, yeah. that, that he had put his hand over it. And it was like, okay, this is what, this is why you've been doing everything you've been doing is for this moment to, yeah. to tr- use this as your trajectory going off into ministry. And so, yeah, that's when I, I was 14 at the time. I'm 25 now. So it's been like a minute, which is yeah. crazy to think about. It feels like it happened five minutes ago, but Kirby, um, for our, our, our leaders who listen, who may not be as young as 25 and you're, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned a couple of things that is language they might quite grasp. You went from mm-hmm. a poster to a content creator, which Rob yeah. has some understanding of that, Yeah, but delineate like what that means mm-hmm. for somebody who may not understand the distinction there. Yeah. I would say there, there definitely is a difference between a content creator and someone who just uses social media. I think the, ev- the average everyday user of social media to which social, social media was initially created and intended for was for connection and was for sharing information about your life to your community. Uh, whereas now I would say people who are more so in the content creator spectrum um, are not just posting, hey, this is what I had for lunch. Hey, I went to my cousin's wedding. Like here we all are. Uh, but it really is okay. Finding a niche and creating, uh, either a, an entertaining factor or a product of sorts, which oftentimes as a content creator, it's yourself. You're the product marketing Mm. yourself to your audience, which is kind of weird. Um, it's very different, but you're, you're creating consistently working with brands. It's, it's viewed more as a job and an obligation rather than just a form of connection and checking in on people. So I think that's, that's a big difference is it, it is more weightier and it's, it's managed more. It's yeah. more curated. And I think, I think this is, I mean, we've, we've circled this conversation, I think numerous times on the show throughout the, the various seasons, yeah. but I think the fact that it keeps coming back up is just a reinforcing reality that, this is not only what the youth of our culture are doing, but I mm-hmm. think what it needs to be understood that this is actually the trajectory of where the church ought to maybe be going in terms of content creation. Because, because we had a, we had a recently this summer, I was at a evangelism conference, global evangelism through Billy Graham evangelistic association. Awesome. Whatever. The point is, the questions they asked were, what does evangelism look like for the future? And I think it's this. Mm. I think it's in the content creation market through social media, through other paradigms, of course. But the whole driving force of this is, again, and we've said it a thousand times, we'll say it a thousand more. There's no better time in human history than right now to put young adults in leadership positions in church mm. where they are becoming the content creators for churches that don't know how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You have four teenagers in your congregation. You've got content creators. They know it. They know the language. uh They know how to do it. They know how to get it started. They know where to go. Like, like they, you understand what I'm saying? So there's absolutely, there's no better time than right now to actually be, to begin to, to allow the church to use this as an evangelistic tool not just as a marketing scheme right. or a plan, right? We got to think bigger than just marketing. How many pastors, Rob, have we had on the show? And, and I, I can think of almost a handful right off that have said to us, 
that somebody walked in their building who got saved on TikTok or Instagram and yeah. were looking for a local church. Like yeah. it, it's, it's happening. It's amazing. So it's not a, again, we talk about this. It's not an or world. It's an and world that they're getting content. They're hearing the gospel on social media through TikTok, through reels, through different things. But then they're showing up to our local churches. Right. So I think it's a hand in hand thing that you're talking about. Not just this. The social media is not their church. We've all established right. that. But we have to work hand in hand to kind of partner together to reach this generation and the next and the next. Until and I think, I think the big and maybe you can kind of speak to this a little bit, Kirby, is the one of the big hurdles for that, I think, in local church is the return on investment. Mm-hmm. Like it's really hard to quantify the reach sometimes of your brand or your influence because it yeah. doesn't trickulate into your pews. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So kind of give me your thoughts on, on that a little bit. No, absolutely. And kind of touching back on what you said, I totally agree that media is one of the biggest mission fields in the world. We can reach the other side of the world, the other side of our state. I mean, any distance within a manner of seconds and people are hearing the gospel like that should blow our minds when we think about how Paul had to strap up his sandals and walk on the Romans road to get from point A to point B over the course of days and weeks and months. Yeah. Like that's mm-hmm. mind boggling that we as the church to have resources and people with skills and gifts, we're not utilizing them. But I don't want to say we're not because actually I feel like the trajectory of the church, we are seeing that shift, especially yeah. in a post COVID world in the right. sense of everything that happened in 2020, you know, with mm-hmm. so much being shifted online, I feel like more people are starting to actually entertain the online space and are seeing the value in that, even without the return on investment, which we think we would normally see. I think that return on investment for churches looks like um, more people coming and attending our church and everybody, you know, getting saved and volunteering and getting plugged in. And that's great. And those numbers, you know, you can measure those things to, to a degree, but even as a Christian online content creator, where I'm just creating content online, um, that's sharing the gospel. There are a lot of times where I'm not visibly seeing the fruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then every now and again, I'll, I'll get a testimony. Someone will reach out to me and it's like, Oh, because of you, uh, I came to Christ and I started this organization and now I'm leading all these people to Christ. It's like, we have to understand that, especially on an online space, if we're doing evangelism, we're not always going to see what's happening on the other side of the screen. And that's something that we kind of just have to accept. And we also need to implement ways of maybe response and showing that communication side that I want to hear from you. I want you to send me your testimonies, your stories. I want to open up that line of communication because otherwise people aren't going to reach out to you if they don't know that they can even report those things and reach out to you through the online work that you're doing. Um, so I, if we're talking about the more personable side of just the, the numbers and measurables, I think we have to create an engaging space as well online for our audience to connect with one another and for them to connect with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to ask a kind of a follow-up question. I do not expect you to have the answer to this. No, you're good. If you did, you would be wealthy, but, <laughs> but I just, I, you know, just to kind of to, to flush out the conversation just a little bit yeah. further. You're getting your master's degree in theology. So I, yes. I, I believe mm-hmm. you are, um, I believe that you would have a high ecclesiology, meaning that you would strongly value the local church, right? That's yeah. that's probably kind of woven into your DNA, 
Absolutely. Right, so, so the counter to that conversation is, you know, how do we take this amazing online platform and translate it into real-time discipleship? Because historically, the church has done a really good job of getting people saved, but then leaving them to their yep. own devices in terms of what it means to follow Jesus for the rest of their life. That's interesting plant you, words. You, you know what I'm saying? Devices. Right, well, it's their own literally devices. Now, like, literally now we're on yeah, our own devices. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there you go. Like, gosh, I'm, I'm really good at this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, and so, so think, humble, too. I'm a seven. What can I say? <laughs> so, no, I think I think the, the conversation then is, and I think it's a concern that we all have, of course. Yeah. How do we help then people that we're reaching through content mm-hmm. become discipled? Do we perpetuate discipleship content? How do we push them into other perhaps local churches where they live? Like what, just kind of give me your thoughts. Like I said, I don't really expect you to have an answer. I just yeah. want to know what you're mm-hmm. thinking. Yeah. And I don't think I actually have a full blown answer to that problem because that is a problem that I think a lot of organizations and churches are really trying to hone in on is that, that um, I don't want to say conversion, but it's like, okay, we're, we're connected online they're following our church, they're following our organizations, they've been saved through our sermons or whatever it is, how do we get them plugged in? And I think that's where people who are really connected with churches and have networks and know locally, whether it's statewide or national, I don't know. I don't have the the answer to how that. I do know um, of ministries and organizations that are trying to do better at that. One of them uh, that's nearby me is the Jesus Clubs with Brian Barcelona. And it's amazing because whenever people get saved, their whole thing is about digital evangelism and discipleship. And what they do is they have this, um, from what I understand, where people can text in or email in or somehow respond and get connected with them. And through that, they're able to show that individual, hey, these are the churches that are in your area that you can get connected with. And so I think there needs to be more Christ-centered organizations uh, where that is their, their sole focus and their primary focus is to get within a network of churches and believers, um, whether it's ascribing to a certain denomination or just honestly knowing that they are a sound biblical church, you know, um, and through that being able to funnel people, because I think that is a problem that we're seeing is that people are only doing church online are only being discipled online. And I think discipleship content is great. That's what I try to do because I know a lot of people either don't go to church or don't feel comfortable going to church or maybe aren't around or plugged into a local church. I'm not saying that should supplement church because it's important. Community's vital. Um, but yeah, that, that's an issue that I, I see as well that I'm hoping more people will see the need and feel called to step in and raise the funds or, or meet the means to yeah. get people connected. Yeah, we mentioned just previously that you are um, working on a master's of theology. Rob and I are both high higher education fans. Um, Yay! So the the intrigue of social media and influencers, and especially the Christian influencer space, is sometimes um, they aren't educated in biblical things. They're well meaning. Yes. They they have lots of zeal, and they end up with lots of platform. But sometimes some of the things they say are not biblically accurate. Not out of just anything other than just 
not knowing. Yeah, right. Yeah. So how important has it been to you? You have a minor in biblical studies from Dallas Baptist. You're now getting a master's in theology. How important it is for you or has it been for you to really get sort of established biblically to make sure what you're sharing is accurate in this space? Because you have a large responsibility with a large platform. Yeah. I, I'm so glad that you guys understand the value of that too, because that's a problem that I've seen as well is that young people, they blow up on TikTok from one video and all yeah. of a sudden they're given this mantle of leadership and responsibility, mm -hmm. but they've been saved for three weeks or three months or, you know, or have been lukewarm in their faith. But right. now it's like, now I'm supposed to teach and preach. And I think one, anybody who's listening, who feels that pressure, you can take that pressure off yourself especially knowing how Paul, when he had his big conversion moment, he spent years, he spent years studying months, studying months, just in the word, like getting saturated, knowing it in and out. And then he went and he preached and reasoned with the Pharisees and taught. Um, and there is a big difference, I think, even between preaching and teaching. And we can get into that in a minute too, is that everyone's assuming this mantle of a teacher, but it's like, are you an active student of the word? And I think that's kind of where my education has come into play with me is I, I've been doing online ministry for a while, like I said. And with that, I'm so thankful that I spent so much time cultivating my relationship with the Lord and had mentorship and had accountability partners and was walking through rough seasons, uh, off of social media. And I was able to grow in my relationship with God and my knowledge of God as well. Uh, and then I felt called by God to begin preaching on social media. And I'm so thankful that that was the process that he brought me on. And then going to DBU, getting my minor in biblical studies for my undergrad. I mean, that just, that just changed everything for me. It, it brought me from, you know, I don't even want to say a surface level of understanding scripture, but whatever level I was at, it brought me you know, 10 times deeper to this point of just how come nobody knows this? How come nobody's being taught this? Like theology, like hermeneutics, exegesis, all these things that mm -hmm. enhance our knowledge of God, especially for those of us who are teaching. So that then spurred me on to my uh, master's alongside, you know, a bunch of people saying, Hey, you need to do this. And, and knowing that that was the Lord confirming it within me. Uh, and I'm just so thankful that I've been able to take that time to really saturate myself with the word uh, because it even corrects me of, well, why do I believe what I believe? Am I just repeating what a pastor is saying or am I actually diving into both sides of the argument or what these scriptures say and actually formulating uh, not just with my own critical thinking, but with, with textual analysis, just not even evidence, but, um, ways to defend the gospel or explain the gospel. And so I, I just encourage anybody, um, literally get in the word, <laughs> just please read your Bible, get some commentaries. Yeah. There's online classes. Yeah. There's all <laughs> kinds of stuff that you can take probably for free out there that will yeah. show you how to even just start thinking biblically. And that'll change how you pursue God and how you lead others. So, so this is a problem that I don't think is going to go away anytime soon. Oh, yeah. But I think early on, we're already beginning to see some of the ramifications of quick platforms, shallow, you know, maturity in, in, in the word and in faith. 
and kind of this rise and fall of celebrity Christianity. Now, I, I don't think it's going to go anywhere anytime soon. I think right. as long as we're human, we're going to seek kind of those those platforms. And yeah, we did it too, just in different ways because oh, we existed. Yeah, yeah. We existed pre-internet. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. we're we're the pre-internet generation, right? So, but we and we did it too, just in different ways. So I think, I think you know maybe maybe the conversation is again it comes back to that healthy rhythm, that healthy sort of, and I don't like balance, but but just making sure that we are being responsible with the platforms, not just in terms of creating the content, but but really examining what we're creating. Right. If, yeah. if, we're, if it's for the cause and for the kingdom, you know, um, there's a level of maturity there that I think that needs it's, to be considered. It's dangerous in a lot of ways. So Rob and I come from a generation where where the 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 preachers in us were to get the crowd sort of involved and riled up. Yeah. It may have been inaccurate, but the crowd responded. Right. The social media side of it now is this sort of getting the crowd, the followers, engaged in resharing, even if it's inaccurate. Yeah. And I think the the risk taking. You mentioned this earlier when you started. The risk taking is being biblically accurate, being responsible with it, even if the crowd doesn't like it. Right. Yeah. How yeah. have you wrestled that out when the Lord has given you something specific to share, or maybe something more general to share that you go, "Hey, this is not really palatable." It may not be well received, but it's what I need to share, whether it be in social media space or in your your live preaching and teaching. Yeah, <laughs> that has been a big pill for me to swallow that nobody is going to like me, whether I'm a Christian or not. Not everybody's yeah, going to yeah. like me. Not everybody's going to agree with me. And I feel like I've just been experiencing more and more freedom the past few years of just realizing people's opinions are so fickle. They will love you one minute and then they will drag you to the grave the next minute. So it's like, why am I taking, first of all, it's like, why am I taking things so personally from someone who doesn't know me personally? Secondly, why am I getting so caught up in this person's hatred for me when the sad reality probably is that they hate themselves? It's like, it's just really realizing the brokenness of people Mm -hmm. and knowing that, Hey, Christ has said that people are going to hate me. He says that in Mark, he says, people are going to hate you for following me, but they hated me first. Um, and I know we say that a lot. It's like, well, Jesus was hated first. And it's like, yeah, but being hated sucks, (laughs) but like people calling you names sucks. But I think there just has to come a point in every believer's life, whether you were doing online ministry where everybody and their mom is just hiding behind a phone screen and can say whatever they want and they don't know you. And if they were to actually say that to your face, they probably wouldn't and mm-hmm. couldn't. Um, but just realizing like these people's opinions don't matter. I care about my conduct and how I communicate. I want to showcase what Christ calls me to showcase when I communicate, especially to unbelievers with understanding, with gentleness, with compassion, with kindness, with love, with truth, all of those things, not, or those things, but, and those things, like you guys said, but, and, and understanding, Hey, people just might not want to receive it. Some people just simply don't want to receive it. And I'm, I'm being faithful. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And if it reaches that one person, I'm thankful for those single people that message me and say, Hey, that meant a lot to me. This I needed this. It's yeah. like, then it was for them because that one person matters. 
that one person matters and I can't get I can't get upset with the 99 people that are frustrated with me that don't even share the same worldview as me or care to share the same yeah. worldview as yeah. me. So That's on a good. practical level, how much, and, I, and I'm sure you probably go through seasons of different levels of engagement, but mm-hmm. how much of that negative content do you actually engage with? I mean, because I think, you know, from, for me just personally, um, part of it is probably some of my own insecurities in terms of people not liking me because I am a seven. Same. Right. So this part of it's probably that, but also part of it is I feel like I need to defend sometimes every tenant of yeah. accusation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So how much of yeah. that do you actually just kind of let go? And are there just times where you just feel like God is challenging you to engage with this person or like, what is your approach to handling some of that negative feedback or that, that there's criticisms perhaps that, that come. Yeah. Well, first I have to think about, okay, what are they saying and why are they saying it? Are they just Mm -hmm. saying something because they don't like what I said? It's like, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lose sleep over that. If someone is like actually criticizing something I'm saying and being like, well, that's not theologically right. And you're this, and you're a woman. So you should be quiet anyways. And blah, blah, blah. And they go down this whole this whole thing or whatever. That's a fun um, one. We love that. Right. Um, but I, I, I don't want to say I pick and choose my battles because I think that sounds a little more dramatic than it really is half the time, but sometimes I'll just, I'll just see a comment and for whatever reason, it's like, okay, that's the one I want to respond to. But I don't respond in like a, Hey, why'd you say that? That's so wrong. That's so mean. And I'm thankful that I, I, my major was in communications when I was at DBU for my undergrad. So it's like, well, God put me there for a reason too yeah. with that degree, but just asking them questions like, well, why do you think that what's your worldview? Like just like being neutral and getting to know this person and actually listening and understanding where they're coming from. Because nine times out of 10, I end up moving from a comment section to a DM with this person. And they're telling me all about their heart, their church hurt, yeah. their family wounds, what, where God was or wasn't in their life. And I get to be like, well, this is actually what scripture says. Like I'm, I'm studying these things. You can read it for yourself on top of me, just saying these things. And I try and use it as a, as a method to evangelize to these people, because obviously they're hurting. I can tell by the language they're using and how they're coming for me. So it's like, if they're willing to engage in a conversation with me, great. But if they're not, and they're still going back and forth. I, I just say, Hey, I don't have enough characters in the comments to like respond to this with the intention I'm trying to convey, but feel free to shoot me a DM. Like let's, let's talk that way or send me a voice memo. I'll send you a voice memo back. And sometimes I do that. I'll send them voice memos where I'm just talking to them. And I think that can translate different sometimes of like, Oh, this is a real person talking to me with empathy and with understanding. I do that very rarely, but I've done that before. And it's just crazy how it like, immediately shifts how people just get so haughty in the moment of responding to something but when you actually take time to be intentional with them it's like what like I didn't know I could love this person that otherwise I probably would have been really angry with you know so I think God's taught me a lot with that great now you mentioned your communications degree which I'm sure lends to the other thing you do which is podcasts like us here yeah uh, we love the podcast, the pod, as Chad Beach calls it, the, the pod. pod. I don't know if that's what it is or not. The kids are calling it. 
Um, is, but on is, your podcast, is the that, kids, is that uh, what, I don't know. Is that what All the cool kids call so, the pod. Literally, the pod, literally, I said bro. this earlier. I'll get to the question in a minute. That's but such I told, a I told thing, Rob, bro. That's the Rob pod, earlier, bro. Uh, <laughs> my goal at my house is to take whatever my kids are saying that's cool and ruin it. Like that's what I my goal. <laughs> that's the best. Um, but no, you you are a podcaster. The mm-hmm. podcast is bought and beloved. Yeah. And you really wrestle some difficult conversations there. Um, conversations about anxiety, conversations about sexual sins, just some really challenging things. What we have found with younger millennials and Gen Z, sort of this age gap that's in college and young adult life, is they're willing to engage in those conversations. What has the response been to your podcast, those difficult conversations? Are people wanting to engage there? Are they shying away from that conversation? What's sort of been the response on that? They love those conversations. I think my audience loves diving into the things that um, maybe maybe typically aren't talked about, but honestly are dealt with daily. Like sexual sin is real. Anxiety is real. Being bold in your faith is real. And not to say that all the other things that we talk about and preach on or expository preaching or whatever we're doing, not that that doesn't matter. I do those things too, where it's like, we're literally just going to go through this chapter in scripture, I'm going to give you the context. We're going to run through it. And that's the podcast. Like we're just going through scripture, but oftentimes it is more topical with my preaching and, you know, bringing, bringing the verses together and showing how, like, who is God in this? Who is Jesus? Who is Holy spirit? Who are, who are we, who is saying like really diving into these theological things, but in a way that really relates to maybe the everyday issues that we, we face. I literally just recorded a podcast the other day about uh, the dangers of progressive Christianity and how mm. that is not sound mm. theology. So I know people are going to probably one, those who are ascribing to the progressive theology might be like, that's so mean. And I don't want to listen. And it's like, okay, fine. Then don't. Mm. Um, but like, honestly, as someone who sees that that is an issue in our society, I'm like, I know y'all probably notice this. I notice it. Let's talk about it because who else is talking about it? Some people are, and I'm thankful for that, but it's like, Who's really tackling these these things that are relevant and that are plaguing my generation, like the deconstruction movement and right. how that is not right. leading people to reconstructing their faith, but yeah. they just stop at deconstruction. And it's like, yeah. well, now you're not left with a worldview and not a biblical worldview at that. And so I'm just trying to have a, a safe space with love and grace and compassion, even though I sound a little harsh right now, sometimes we get a little harsh, but Jesus flipped tables too, when there was false peace. So we're flipping Mm -hmm. tables and in the most kind way, uh, and just talking about things that I know everybody has either seen is going through, will go through, or they know someone's going through and they can be a light in that way. Recent, recent Barna survey, I think it was Barna Gallup one, uh, was talking about young people and the impact of influence that that parents are still a primary influencer, but this generation, especially the young adults, look to peers for critical influence on important conversations. I think it's why there's space for those conversations with you. I think it's why they respond because they look to peers a lot for important information, yeah. which is dangerous as well. Like right, let's yeah. not, let's yeah. admit, 100%. let's admit there's some danger to it. But it's also valuable when people who are studied and versed and, and walking through it and willing to walk into the hard conversations are helping them um, because I think it's an echo of what a lot of times other uh, older leaders like ourselves, Rob and I, are already saying when their peer comes alongside and go, hey, I've studied this out too, and it says this. Um, 
because for whatever reason, generationally, younger millennials, Gen Z, have this deep affiliation for their peers and appreciation for their thoughtfulness on both sides of the conversation, any side of the conversation. So yeah. I think it's one of the reasons you may be finding value there. Um, totally off topic, but no, right. it's, it's good. And I think Excellent. I just, I just read an article. I watched, read an article and watched a video the other day, even like you kind of mentioned it, even with our own sort of tribe space, yeah. Like the, 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 the newest version of the, I think it's the NRSV, and I could be wrong about that, but the newest version of the NRSV, I believe, leaves out two extremely critical passages oh, on wow. sexual sin. Oh, really? Right? And so there's, a, like, so so it's, it's... Is it footnoted or noted in any way? No, or just no. Dropped it's just, it's just, they just changed the connotation oh of the Greek. Right, and I believe it was in First Corinthians. They were both Paul articles, both Paul Pauline articles. But point is, like, so even within our own conversations, our own sort of tribal uh, kind of realities, where hmm. this progressivism that you're talking about. I mean, these are really difficult conversations. Why? Because a new believer who doesn't know or have any kind of um, influence or background in things that are church or Bible related. Mm-hmm. They're going to pick up the Bible that's probably easiest to read, yeah, or one that you know makes right. the most sense. Or to someone them. Some recommends, there's so, some one that someone recommends, and yeah. so now we're even having to guard our own gates, you know. It's interesting, and I know, I know we all have English translations, and I know they're not all or we that could get in a whole debate. But the yeah. point is, the you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but it's important. It's very important to have these kinds of conversations. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. So another another little piece is so obviously I'm in higher ed. Uh, you know, Jeff Jeff is a local pastor, but but my role is is in a Christian university, um, and we see about forty percent, and this is both sacred uh, sacred and secular, about forty percent of our incoming freshmen all coming in with a diagnosable mental health issue. Wow. Right? You you talk pretty freely about about your own struggles with anxiety, suicidality, and those kinds of things, which mm-hmm. which I think is great. Um, and I think, uh, you know, this is one of the biggest challenges that we have with this generation in particular. I know the whole Gen Z suicide-free movement's in place. Like, yes, and all those Jacob kinds Coyne. of things, right? You know what I'm saying? So I think, so talk to us a little bit, not only necessarily about roots and causes, but but how are you helping your peers? I mean, a lot of people that you're probably ministering to or are, are about your age or maybe younger. Like, how are you helping or how are you helping them navigate through your own story? Like, who God is, you know, what that means for their lives, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Such a good question. And that's a hard conversation to have, you know, of, for some people of just addressing maybe the elephant in the room that like, I'm really struggling with anxiety or depression or suicidal thoughts and ideations or an eating disorder or cutting or whatever. I mean, so many people struggle with so many different things. Right. And at least on my platforms, I really try to validate their experiences and what they're going through. And I don't want to just put a bandaid over it and be like, well, read this Bible verse and you'll be better because they've done that. You know, they've, Mm -hmm. they've tried to read scripture and get free from those things. And scripture does free. I'm not, not saying that because it has definitely freed me. Um, But I think the biggest thing that I go about whenever I engage in those kinds of topics, especially is um, one, getting to the root of why you feel 
that way and why you feel the need to act in that way to let those feelings go or X, Y, and Z, whatever it is. Um, but also really understanding the enemy. It's like the enemy's out to get you. He hates you. He does not love you and he does not like you. Um, and there's probably so many different components in our life that are trying to oppress us. Meanwhile, we have to understand and analyze in our own lives. Okay. Am I engaging in anything that's also contributing to these things? So I try and take a holistic view of it, of really analyzing everything, not just being like, well, it's a demon, pray it away and you'll be fine. Yeah. Like maybe, but also I just being like, the okay. accent there. That's <laughs> yeah. a good, Anytime. That's, a, that's a good Southern accent. Yeah. Solid. I mean, I am in Texas, so <laughs> that's right. But but I, I really try and take a holistic view of just like I've I've been there. And sometimes for me, my anxiety my anxiety has been caused by another person or a situation I put myself in. Other times it is 100 percent been from the enemy oppressing me. And right. I just don't know where this is coming from. And at the end of the day, being able to take a step back and view all these things. And view it through a lens of truth that although I might not feel a certain way, um, I can know what is true. I can stand in what is true and move forward in what is true. Um, and I just, I don't know, I commission my audience to do the same because at the end of the day, I, I cannot be their savior. I cannot be the person to walk them through every single trauma and trial that they're going through personally as much as I wish I could. I don't have that capacity, but I do my best to even just point them to resources. Like you said, yeah. Gen Z will be suicide free. That's Jacob Coyne's ministry. I love it. I point them to that better help or faithful counseling. Um, I point them to those resources and I have connections with them where I'm able to get my audience like the first month. I don't know. I think it's like 20% off if they want to try Christian based counseling. Like I try and send them to the resources that can be there for them even more personably than I can, but I'm doing my best to help uh, give them a biblical framework to work from with that and just truth to hold on to whenever they might not be able to see it for themselves in those situations. Cause it's hard. I totally get it. That's good. I think, you know, as I counsel a lot of students on campus and, mm -hmm. and so many different mental health issues, I mean, hmm. just run the gamut. But I think, I think gaining this proper perspective is like really one of the great first approaches that you can take is it's just a, one of the things, my favorite things to say in counseling is the boogeyman doesn't live behind every bush, right? Now, I mean, Satan is not always, you know, the cause of your flat tire. Sometimes life just happens, right? Sometimes yeah. you, you put yourself in a position to where, you know, you've, you've now reaped the rewards of what, what, what your choices are. But I think, I think gaining that healthy perspective uh, does empower. And I think, especially if we can help them understand, you know, God's presence and peace and word and everything else that is operating in the midst of it. Yeah. I think that those are great ways to approach what is otherwise a very difficult and delicate conversation. And I think at least my hope, Rob, and you and I are maybe outliers. I don't know. Like we don't really have data on this, but we're, we're willing to engage in the conversation Yeah. and, and leaders who are our age or older, I think are finally starting to recognize it's a real conversation. We can't just pray it away. We can't preach it away valuable things like not negating those things let's pray yep. and let's preach on those things um but for the leaders who are are our age or maybe even younger who are going i don't know how to engage in this conversation um either in a one-on-one -on -one way or in a teaching way um but i know i got young adults or young people in my church who need to hear about it from a biblical perspective kirby what would be maybe 
a one, two, or three step sort of initial starting point to go, here are some starting places if you want to have that conversation on a broader scale for your church or your ministry? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, well, if you don't feel comfortable having that conversation or feel knowledgeable enough for that conversation as a leader in a church or a community, bring in someone who is, I mean, like literally on this podcast, I have people on my podcast that I'm like, I'm not an expert in this field, but I know this person is. So let me bring them on so they can help gauge the conversation maybe with their expertise and experience and knowledge and all those things. So, I mean, that's the first thing is to see maybe who in your congregation has a heart and a passion for that, that can join you on that conversation. If you don't feel um, fully equipped to to talk about those things. Second, I would try and get a survey of your, of your followers, your congregants, whatever, to see what it is that they're struggling with. Is it maybe more so it's anxiety. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it is shame. I don't know. There's a whole bunch of stuff that Gen Z and millennial and humans struggle with. So I would really just try and gauge maybe where your audience is at. And even, well, what, what do you believe about yourself in feeling these things, like make, send out a private survey that they can take with a few questions. What are you struggling with? How does it make you feel? Why do you feel this way? Do you feel like it's an attack from the enemy? Do you think there's something that's causing it? Like really ask questions. Cause that's the only way you can gauge your response to it. And then I would say, really sit down. It doesn't have to be the next week that you're like, okay, I have this sermon. I know everything I'm going to talk about. Take time to get into God's word and to do research so that you can do your best in not just sharing the scriptures and giving your advice, but also communicating in a way with empathy that really understands what these people are going through, even though maybe you haven't gone through that yourself. Because there are things I haven't gone through, but through the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and just through empathy and loving people and getting to understand and know people's experiences better. I've been able to minister to people in situations that I've never personally walked through, but that's a combination of the Holy Spirit, scripture, and just doing my due diligence to learning more and opening myself up to studying these topics that otherwise I wouldn't have opened myself up to, to know. Yeah, that's good. That's a good We're good starting answer. to slip out of time, so I want to I want to jump to a, get, a get question, to not yeah. the not to the main question. Okay, but another question. I think this is a, a really important question. So, um, what is something that you have kind of learned about this generation, especially as a young woman in ministry, that you think leaders need to know, like now, like what do they what what do we need to know yeah. right now? I feel like there's so much that I need to know about this generation. It's crazy because I'm on the cusp of like Gen Z and millennial. I'm like millennial. So I'm just like, I'm in both camps. You know what I mean? Um, I think one of the biggest things that we need to know about my generation is that we are just little firecrackers. Like when there is something, an injustice or a a cause, we want to get behind it. We want to see the underdog win. We want to see uh, the person who is oppressed or depressed or whatever. It's like we want to see them uplifted. And so I think as churches, we need to engage in conversations or even present the gospel in certain ways and languages where we're Gen Zers who have that passion and that thrive to see good be done to see how good the gospel is and to get behind that cause and be a force behind that. So 
just knowing the fire is so alive and burning in Gen Z and millennials as well. It's so real out there, but we need to show them the goodness of the gospel and why that is a just cause for them to get behind, because that is the only way that all of these issues that we see in the world will end. It is only by the grace of God. It is only by the power of the cross. It is only by those things. Um, and if Gen Z can be transformed by the gospel, then they're going to be a force to be reckoned with when it comes to discipleship and evangelism. Yeah, that's a great, great answer. Well, we are we are at the end of our time here, Kirby. We won't keep you any longer because you have uh, things to go be a boss about. You got to go be a boss. Kirby, you gotta be yeah, got to go send some emails. Yeah. <laughs> Pay some we do bills. have one final question that adult. we ask every guest on our show. You already mentioned you are an alum and current student of Dallas Baptist University. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, with that in mind, what is one lesson you learned in college that did not take place in the classroom? Oof. That's a really good question. Cause I'm still in school. Um, I would say one of the biggest lessons I've learned is to, to find really good, solid community and to be vulnerable with your community. I think that's been one of the biggest lessons. Not that I ever wasn't vulnerable with my community but specifically in seasons where I just was so downcast on myself and hated myself and was struggling with anxiety and shame and x y and z it's like nobody knew and that was eating me up inside and it's like man I wish I could go back and tell myself hey like there are good people on this campus there are I went to DB it's amazing Um, there's so many good people on this campus. Like you just need to be vulnerable with the right people because they want to see you thrive and they're going to meet you with love, um, and compassion and help and understanding. So you can thrive. And it's like, why did I delay coming before community and being vulnerable and allowing myself to be loved when I thought I wasn't lovable. And I know that's not a very academic answer or anything like that, you know, but just a life lesson. It's like, find your people even if it's like one person or two people uh and be real with them because there's a lot of healing that needs to take place within community and not just behind closed doors yeah Yeah. it's a great answer it's a perfect answer we did we didn't want the academic answer like if you'd give me like a math problem i'd have been upset so (laughs) yeah if you're doing math outside the classrooms i'd be upset shame on you shame (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Kirby, we have had so much fun with you, and uh, we've loved having you on the show. And we're Thanks for having me. God is doing in your life. And uh, as we always say here at the Leadership Drip, you've got a seat at the table. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Leadership Drip. If something from this episode was helpful for you, then share it on your social media and tag us. If we see it, we may reshare it on our channels. We appreciate you taking the time to join us. And remember, you always have a seat at the table.